All right, welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg. Ranting at you now in the wee hours of January 15th from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And, uh, you know, I guess I've kind of become obsessed with these past few weeks with talking about uh, my own experiences trying to get tested for COVID-19 and uh, ranting against the so-called return to normality, or as it is often incorrectly rendered, return to normalcy. There is an awful lot else going on in the world that I feel compelled to uh, address. There's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff on the geopolitical tip that I really want to talk about, uh, including some, you know, big crises which are in the news at the moment, but also some uh, extremely underreported conflicts which are going on in some parts of the world that people have never heard of, which I covered this past week on uh, my blog, Counter Vortex. But uh, I feel compelled to continue for just another week with my uh, ranting about my uh, little quotidian dilemmas here in, uh, you know, metropolitan dystopia of New York City. So uh, people will recall that uh, I was going to get my booster shot a couple of days before Christmas. Seems like a long time ago now. And I didn't because the day before I was scheduled to get the shot, I started coming down with symptoms, which may or may not have been COVID. I still don't know. I put off getting the booster shot and uh, tried to get tested for COVID and uh, basically couldn't. The lines were like way, way, way too long at the local hospital. And I was feeling worse every minute and I didn't want to wait online with a bunch of other people who hadn't possibly been exposed or who I was at risk of exposing waiting online in the cold at that. Um, so I just went home and I isolated for, um, about 10 days and, uh, then went out and tried to get tested and it turned into, you know, the Kafka-esque nightmare that I've been ranting about for, um, you know, the past couple of weeks on this podcast. Finally, uh, I, as I reported last week, I actually did manage to get tested a week ago Tuesday, that is to say on January 4th, and I was waiting for the results, and you want to know what? The results never came in. So a week after that, which is to say January 11th, I biked back down to Groovener Hospital on Madison Street, and I said, yo, what's going on here? It's been a week since I took this test. And they said, oh, your results probably got lost. So you should take the test again. This was after I had spent 40 minutes online waiting in the cold. Fortunately, on uh, <laughs> on uh, a week later, on uh, January 11th, it's kind of weird to be saying fortunately, but uh, it was really, really cold. It was bitter cold that day. It was like in the teens. So I think everybody was scared away and there wasn't any line. So I didn't have to wait on a long line, fortunately. Uh, so finally, um, I got the results a couple of days after that. And I am negative. But um, my doctor agrees that because by the time I finally took the test, it was like um, three weeks after the onset of symptoms, it may be a false negative. So he suggests that I wait uh, a week before getting the booster shot. So uh, by the time I actually get around to scheduling the booster shot, it's going to be a month 
after I had originally scheduled my booster shot. So, uh, and you know, I mean, what's ominous about it is that, uh, you know, it's kind of indicative of, uh, the hospital system in New York City being overwhelmed, you know, unfortunately just overwhelmed with testing, certainly not being uh, nearly as overwhelmed as in other states. But even here in New York, hospitals are on the brink of being generally overwhelmed. CBS News, January 13th, President Joe Biden announced plans to deploy federal medical teams to help struggling hospitals in six states, including New York and New Jersey, Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn, North Central Bronx Hospital and University Hospital in Newark are on the list. This from CNN, January 14th. Many hospitals are halting non-urgent procedures and relying on the National Guard as COVID-19 hospitalizations rise. As COVID-19 hospitalizations reach new heights, more states and healthcare systems are cutting back services that aren't urgent and relying on National Guard personnel to fill staffing gaps as infected healthcare employees miss work to recover and patient demand grows. More than 155,900 people in the U.S. are hospitalized with COVID, according to data from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, surpassing records set in last winter's surge and hospitals need more people to help provide care. The good news here is that um, deaths nationally have lagged from the worst of last winter's surge. As the country has averaged 1,817 COVID-19 deaths a day over the past week, the peak average was 3,402 one year ago on January 13th. So yeah, Omicron is uh, causing fewer deaths than the uh, previous strains, it appears. But still, all of this, uh, you know, this this incessant drumbeat of, uh, you know, a return to normalcy, quote unquote, again, that's a malapropism. The word is actually normality. Thank you very much. Is for starters... Premature, to say the least, and based on, you know, complete denialism about the uh, ongoing crisis and uh, problematic and disappointing in, in any event, even if the hospitals weren't overwhelmed. Once again, the opportunity for a crash conversion from fossil fuels that was posed by 2020's pandemic induced economic paralysis is now being squandered, which was what I ranted about last week. And uh, then these news clips showed up just after I did that last podcast. These news clips showed up, which made me uh, just over the course of the past couple of days since I recorded that last podcast, which made me want to continue with this anti-normalcy rant. This from the New York Times of January 10th. U.S. greenhouse gas emissions from energy and industry, rose 6.2% in 2021 as the economy began recovering from pandemic lows and the nation's coal plants roared back to life, according to a preliminary estimate published by um, a think tank called the Rhodium Group. The nation's emissions had plummeted more than 10% in 2020, the largest one-year drop on record 
after the initial coronavirus outbreak triggered widespread lockdowns and energy use plunged to its lowest level in decades. Then this is absolutely maddening. From the Helena Independent Record in Montana, Biden administration defends Trump coal policies. A Biden administration defense of Trump-era coal policies in Montana and Wyoming sparked legal action by environmental groups this week, arguing that a court order concerning climate change was being ignored. At issue is a 2018 U.S. District Court order that the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, when developing resource management plans for coal mining, factor in the environmental consequences such as burning the coal downstream, quote-unquote, at power plants in the United States. That is to say, not merely factoring in the impacts from mining the stuff in, as it happens to be, the Powder River Basin of uh, Montana and Wyoming, but also the climate and public health impacts of burning the stuff. In this 2018 decision in the uh, U.S. District Court for the District of Montana actually came in a uh, case brought by uh, the Earth Justice Law Firm on behalf of several environmental groups and the Northern Cheyenne Indian Tribe. And a press release on their website, the Earth Justice website, makes clear that the uh, the Biden administration is choosing to uh, maintain a Trump-era decision that abandoned the Obama administration's moratorium on coal leasing on public lands. The Biden administration has argued that it is reviewing the program, but has refused to reinstate a moratorium to prevent new leasing before an adequate environmental review is completed. At the same time, the administration continues to process applications for new coal leases as U.S. coal consumption rose 14% in 2021. Absolutely maddening. What are you thinking, Joe Biden, with all of your empty talk about how the U.S. is going to be a leader on climate change? And you're the guy that, like, we all had to vote for because the other guy was, like, a complete denialist on climate change. Talk about a dystopian choice. Meanwhile, this is going on. From Al Jazeera, January 10th, the year 2021 was the world's fifth hottest on record as atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide and methane hit new highs, European Union scientists said. The EU's Copernicus Climate Change Service said in a report that the last seven years were the world's warmest by a clear margin, quote-unquote. In records since 1850, the average global temperature in 2021 was up to 1.2 degrees Celsius, or 2.16 degrees Fahrenheit, above 1850 to 1900 levels. From the Washington Post, January 14th, Australia hits 123 degrees. That's about, you know, the threshold of, uh, you know, what could be considered habitable. For human life, Australia hits 123 degrees, tying highest temperature on record in Southern Hemisphere. 
The Australian high is just one of many temperature extremes to occur in the past two years. The Southern Hemisphere may have just matched its highest temperature on record Thursday. That's this Thursday, January 13th. A station in Onslow, a small coastal town in Western Australia, registered a sweltering 123.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 50.7 degrees Celsius amid a severe heat wave. The World Meteorological Organization has begun a meticulous review of the temperature reading. If verified, it would tie the all-time high reading set in uh, <clears throat> elsewhere in Australia, someplace unpronounceable, Udnadatta, Australia, on January 2nd, 1960. A massive heat dome was parked over Western Australia with Onslow sitting directly beneath it. Temperatures were about 20 degrees Fahrenheit or 11 degrees Celsius above normal at the hottest time of year. Considering the increasing temperature trends over the past decades, it is less surprising that we see extreme temperatures like the one in Western Australia at the moment, said Nina Ritter, researcher at the Center for Climate Extremes at the University of New South Wales at Sydney. This from the website of the American Geophysical Union, AGU, January 10th. Among the most visible effects of anthropogenic global warming are rising seas around the world. Since 1880, the global mean sea level, GMSL, has increased by 20 centimeters. There is no easy way to halt or reverse this change. Earth's ocean and ice sheets respond slowly to changes in the heat they receive from the atmosphere, and they hold on to heat for decades to centuries. As a result, sea level globally will continue to rise well beyond the 21st century, even if warming of the planet is stabilized below the target set by the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015 of 2 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial average. And uh, finally, this from Science News of December 22nd. A study from Japan's Hokkaido University. Melting of the Antarctic ice sheet could cause multi-meter rise in sea levels by the end of the millennium. So yeah, I know. When the American Geophysical Union talks about 20 centimeters since 1880, you're like, oh, what's 20 centimeters? All right, it adds up. Scientists predict that continued global warming under current trends could lead to an elevation of the sea level by as much as five meters by the year 3000, common era. Which means that well before then, New York City, where we all live out our, you know, largely oblivious lives, fighting the traffic, waiting for the subway, battling our landlords, and waiting online to get COVID tests will have long since disappeared beneath the waves. So all of you people who are talking about a return to normalcy, your normalcy that you are pining for is propelling the apocalypse. You can take your normalcy and shove it. And you can even, if you choose to use the correct word, Take your normality and shove it. 
This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org. Support us on Patreon. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time. <laughs>